be reading from the ESV Version Bible. <clears throat> Please follow along as I read. My son, be attentive of, to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from your crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. May God bless the reading of his word. Now we'll have um, Pastor Jeff introducing our guest speaker for this morning. Morning, Crossbridge. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossbridge. And this morning I have the privilege of introducing Patrick Chen. Uh, we're so grateful for Pat and uh, his wife Sue and his son Calvin who are joining us uh, not only this morning but throughout this entire weekend. Uh, and, and Patrick here uh, is here this morning as a candidate for the fellowship pastor position. Uh, for those of you who don't know, up until recently, he, has been, he had been serving at Park Street for the past 17 or so years, uh, involved in a, a wide range of different ministries, uh, reaching out to international students and refugees, and, and even more recently being a minister of pastoral care in small groups. And so again, we're so grateful that he is here, and so I would encourage you to, to give all your attention to him as he comes and speaks the word. Let's welcome him. morning. When our son was young, our days consisted of a steady stream of instructions and routines. Teeth must be brushed and hair combed. Snacks came after school and not before breakfast. Socks go into the laundry bin and toys must be picked up before bedtime. We created a storage system for his many Lego sets, teaching him to put these away so that they would be ready the next time. We read the Bible and prayed together at bedtime, and we recite Bible verses during our car rides to school. We believe that careful instruction is a gift and a blessing that we give to our son. Often we say to him, listen and follow directions. 24 times in Proverbs, readers are instructed to listen to their father or mother. This wisdom book is packed with instructions. The father aims to guide his son on a right path of wisdom because neglecting a parent's instruction puts the heart of the child in danger. 
Now your teen may be like my teen. Mine cannot hide the fact that sometimes he thinks that this parent is clueless. This is worldly thinking, of course. But Proverbs imparts godly wisdom to teens, especially young men, and men and women of all ages. Pondering the Proverbs gives us all understanding that parents are sinners too. Whether we are parents of biological or spiritual offspring, we all have gone through a similar set of temptations, struggles, experiences, and trials that children and youth face. Having been there and done that actually makes parents indispensable resource for learning how to live a godly life. God calls us parents and parental figures to guide children in the guarding of their hearts. Our instructions and boundaries are an extension and expression of our love to our son. We believe that as we instruct and guide our son, we establish skills and reasoning in him to become a faithful, wise adult. We realize that what is true in our practice for our son is true with God in his handling of us all, his children. God's commands and ordinances are expressions of his love. After leading his people out of captivity in Egypt, for example, God provided lots of instructions through his servant Moses. And Moses, after rehearsing the instructions to the people, told him, see, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The obedience of the Israelites led to their wisdom and understanding. Obedience sets God's people apart as wise to their neighbors and to the world. And in a time, our persistent witness of obedience brings God's wisdom into our communities. We saw this witness of wisdom manifesting King Solomon. From the beginning of his rule, everything seemed to work in his favor. Solomon looked to have inherited not only his father's throne, but also his father's heart for God. Twice in our Bible, first in 1 Samuel 13 and again in Acts chapter 13, David was praised as a man after God's own heart. Solomon pleased the Lord, and the Lord poured out blessings on him like no one before or ever since. Does paying attention to godly wisdom ensure a long and fruitful life? If such fortunes result by walking in the way and in the truth and in the life of Jesus Christ, 
What must we do to guard this treasure within our hearts? How can we help our offspring, whether biological or spiritual, secure this blessing in their lifetime? Proverbs chapter 4 records for us three sets of instructions presented in a particular form that we call father-to-son talks. Our verses, 20 to 27, is the seventh of ten father-to-son talks. My message today is part two of a message that you heard from Minister Cola several weeks ago from Ephesians 6, wherein he showed the important role that children play in the kingdom of God. Obedience to God's command to honor fathers and mothers sets children in a posture, attitude, and readiness to receive and obey that they may be formed into greater likeness of Christ. Proverbs 4 shows us how to instruct children to guard their hearts as members of a Christian family. Now, I invite you to pray with me in seeking the illumination of God's Word by God's Spirit. Father God, as we open your Word together, may you open our minds and hearts to receive that which you have prepared for us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. In his lifetime, Solomon took his country from a fledgling nation to superpower status. Under his rule, Israel's economy just burst open, and the borders extended further than at any other point in history. The nations were drawn to behold the outpouring of God's blessings on this man and his people. His personal fortunes exceeded, by count of some, two trillion in today's dollars. The only thing that exceeded his vast wealth was his wisdom. Solomon's wisdom was a gift from God to him, an answer for, for prayers that we read in 1 Kings chapter 3. You have shown great kindness to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Give your servant, therefore, and an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. I will do what you have asked, Continuing at verse 12, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. 
What a blessed promise this is. By the wisdom given by God, Solomon understood the exclusivity and the worth of that wisdom. Here are three quick observations. One, because of his father's faithfulness, God now offers to give to his son something that he truly wants. Two, though he's the king of Israel, Solomon recognizes that he cannot rule his kingdom without God's grace. And third, the Lord was pleased to grant Solomon's prayer request, giving him wisdom that would be coveted by all and for all time. Each of us has both wealth and treasure. What's the difference? How do we handle our wealth and treasure? Solomon spent his wealth but lived by his treasure. He directed his wealth of gold, of loyal subjects, and a good reputation to rule his kingdom. But wisdom, wisdom was his treasure. He not only cherished wisdom by living by it, but he honored God by handling it like you would handle a family heirloom. In Proverbs 4, we see the example of Solomon's handling of this family heirloom. Take a moment and open your Bibles, as I am now, and keep it open, for this is the word of God for the people of God. And as we look particularly at verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Solomon is teaching his son God's truth. He tells his son that the most important duty he has to guard this truth in his heart. The ESV translates here these two words, very important to understanding, Natsar and Mismar, as keep with all vigilance. To help us understand the nuance of this important verse, let me tell you what it does not mean, because there's a whole range of meanings that can be applied as it is applied elsewhere in Scripture. The words are not here describing a sentry that is standing on a wall watching out for an enemy. Nor is it a picture of a guard that is keeping watch over a prisoner to keep him from escaping. And guarding or keeping with all vigilance is more than simply keeping away or keeping out. No, in this verse, guarding your heart is protecting and keeping God's truth central and a priority in our hearts. How important is it to guard your heart? Simply look at the repetition that we find in our text. To Solomon, this is the single most important action that you can take to protect the truth of God within our hearts. Verses 20 to 21. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. And the next verse is where we find the motivation, the explanation for why, verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and healing 
to all their flesh. Solomon is not saying that his son is to live by his teachings. Instead, he is saying that this teaching is life. As the son keeps and guards his father's teachings, which is the word of God, he is guarding his very own life. Any departure, any carelessness could lead down a path uh, that turns into evil and come under the influence of life-destroying force. Now, the word healing in verse 22 is used elsewhere in Proverbs to indicate health. We find this idea in Proverbs 13, 17, as well as 16, 24. And I believe what Solomon is saying here is not only will guarding your heart protect your life from the ravages of sin, but the spiritual wisdom that results from guarding your heart becomes real power to overcome the ravages of sin. Spiritual truth has the power to heal relationships, does it not? It restores peace to a troubled conscience, and it opens blind eyes to see the Savior. So we understand why Solomon speaks to his son as he does. The single greatest responsibility you have every day is to guard your heart above all else. For it is the source of life, we read in verse 23. This is your top priority. Your heart holds this valuable treasure committed to you from God. Your heart is very much a repository and a storehouse out of which you form your thoughts, your words, your actions, emotions, your values, your dreams, even your motivations your past, your present, your future plans. It all bears an impact. It influences your heart. So fortify and secure this storehouse for the spiritual wisdom found in God's Word. Solomon says that your heart is a source of life in verse 22. The capacity to live with joy and vigor ultimately depends and comes from within and not from your circumstances. When I offer pastoral counseling, I will ask the counselee, give me a reason why uh, you understand it, that you are for your misery, your suffering, or for your hardship. And typically I hear one of the following four reasons. He will blame his past. He might blame his parents. He might blame some people that he's encountered, or he's going to um, blame his predicament, his fate. And, but among these four reasons provided, it's missing something we would expect himself, right? Taking responsibility. When we misbelieve and insist that we have no influence over our past, our parents, people, or predicaments, we can find ourselves feeling stuck even hopeless and despairing. But when we assert God's grace over misery, we discover freedom. We don't have to feel like we're a victim. But how? You guard your heart. Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, 37, 
In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, when your heart begins to lead you in a way that's away from the passion of Jesus Christ and love for him, or you begin to walk in a way that is contrary to the will of God, hold fast to God's truth. Employ the skills that are gained by wisdom to experience the joy, the peace, and the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, how can we tell if you are guarding your heart? Solomon tells us in verses 20 to 27, first, listen to your speech. Verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. When we open our mouths, we invite others to look into our hearts. What do they see? Consider where you are looking. You can tell if you are guarding your heart by what you look at. Verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze straight before you. Now, we find this idea picked up by Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.14 where he says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And here's an application. And I apologize if you find it to be an uncomfortable topic, but it is the topic of pornography. Many men, and now an increasing number of women, find it powerless to overcome this irresistible compulsion to seek and to view sexually explicit images. In my ministry of pastoral care and counseling, I come, on, I come alongside men who are recovering and healing from several kinds of addiction. But sexual addiction by far is the most pernicious. The undisciplined eye leaves the heart vulnerable. The shame of sexual addiction literally crushes the soul and it breaks the heart. Now, another application that addresses the lust of the eyes, we, we need not look any further than Adam and Eve and again at David. Adam and Eve looked at the fruit of the tree of wisdom, of knowledge of good and evil. And this is what Moses tells us, a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, Genesis 3.6. This is what Adam and Eve faced. And then David looked at Bathsheba and took her, despite having already a harem of beautiful women. Therefore, verses 26 and 27. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Solomon calls his son to take a step back and to evaluate his life. Is he becoming the man that God has called him to become? Is he behaving in a way that's going to lead him to become like his father, a man after God's own heart? 
The verb in verse 26 is used elsewhere in Scripture as for the leveling of a road. Now, don't just think about this. Make a choice. Take action that aligns with the truth. What potholes? What tree falls? What guardrails need you pay attention to on the road of life you're on? If someone looked at your life, what conclusion could they draw about your relationships, marriage, parenting, or financial pursuits? A life whose, whose, a life whose path is firmly established in God is a life that matters and a life that pleases God. And so now, let me summarize and prepare us for a conclusion. While it may be safe to assume that Solomon wrote all these father-to-son talks, let's not forget that it is God's Holy Spirit who inspires all these speeches. The talks are spiritual fruit born of spiritual formation, offered by a godly father to his attentive son. Though the relationship David nurtured with Solomon may appear like many other father-son relationships, theirs was unique. Theirs was the context by which God revealed his covenant promises that we find in redemptive history. The covenant promises that God made with David concerning his son points to an elevated divine father-son relationship. By pondering that divine relationship, we gain insight in our own relationships. What we see in the divine father-son example is that which is required of earthly sons to walk obediently in God's path of wisdom and righteousness. Now, this is only possible because God's own son, Jesus Christ, fulfilled perfectly these father-son talks that we read in Proverbs. By the perfect obedience of the divine son, earthly sons and daughters, of course, can receive the same wisdom and righteousness that's made available through Jesus Christ. But there are some important caveats to understanding these father-son talks. These are not merely for the sake of character development, though that is important as well. Neither should we slavishly obey, because such legalism leads to resentment and frustration. No, let's instead conclude that the father-to-son talks points to the heavenly father's impossible demand for obedience. And what is impossible for us to attain by ourselves drives us to find that perfect rescue in the perfect son, Jesus Christ, who always obeyed the will of his Father. When we abide in Christ, we draw wisdom and righteousness from the Father through the Son as branches grafted into the vine, as we read in John chapter 15. Father to Son talks, remind us that we need the all-wise and all-righteous Son, that we might gain wisdom and righteousness of the Father through faith in the Son. 
beloved by God? The way to read the book of Proverbs is to slow down and prayerfully think it through, one proverb at a time. Ponder each instruction as I do. Consider what the values and instructions reveal about God's nature. Then weigh what each proverb reveals about our frail human condition and the saving grace that's required which God provides in Christ. Meditating upon Proverbs, as with any other book of the Bible, is more like savoring a single bite of your mother's cooking than it is about horking down a meal of fast food. But to those who would embrace the wisdom of God, he makes this priceless promise that we find in our text today from verse 22. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And let me end with a story from year 2015. Malachi Bradley was age 10 at the time when he became separated from his family in the high mountain wilderness, 200 miles east of Salt Lake City, Utah. Far from civilization, the young boy faced the possibility of dying from exposure. It gets cold. And dying alone and being lost in the woods. But about one day later, search and rescue teams found him. And the sheriff's department reported this. Malachi seems unfazed by it. He's in good condition. He's a little hungry, but he's been checked out by medical crews, and they say he looks good. How is it that this young boy could be so lucky to be found so quickly? The young boy survived because his father, Danny Bradley, taught him skills necessary to survive. Malachi avoided frostbite and hypothermia by taking shelter against some large rocks. And he was found so quickly because he chose a place that was in the wide open and not covered over by trees. And he used his jacket to filter out the water that he had found. And just in case he'd be there a long time, he, he fashioned a long stick so that he could use it for spearfishing. A young child cannot know any of this innately. But this son listened and followed the directions of his father. By love, this father prepared his son for circumstances that his young son could never have anticipated. As loving parents, will we instruct our children to guard their hearts in Christ Jesus? Let's ask the Lord to build this house and fill our Christian families with faithful parents and attentive children. As Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, for spiritual strength and blessing for Christian families, I now pray for our families. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.